Mac Power Users, episode 251, Devon Think, finally. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my podcasting partner, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm well, David. This is long overdue. I mean, long, 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 long overdue. Yeah, so Devon Think is one of those applications. I'm, that I'm every- sorry, wasn't it Devon Think? Didn't you just tell me never to say that again? <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I was I was making fun of David in the pre-show for calling it Devon Think. I wasn't sure. I wanted I, if I was going to class the joint up, I would call it Devon Think, but we'll go with Devon Think. Either okay. way, uh, so this application is one of those on the Mac that has legions of followers that love it, and a bunch of people scratching their head about what do I need that for. Uh, so uh, I've been uh, playing with it off and on for about a year. Katie is is playing the role of the uh, person who never used it. Yes. And the expert. Well, yeah. Okay. The expert. Well, have you ever used it, Katie? I, I have. I have ever used it. Yes. I've okay. used it before. Uh, and the expert in this case will be played by our friend Gabe Weatherhead. Gabe, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Gabe is the Alec Baldwin of the uh, Mac car users. <laughs> Hmm. often shows up. <laughs> I've like never set- been kicked off a plane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, like he's always on Saturday Night Live. Well, here you are. Um, yeah. yeah, I was uh, going to say, you're going to have to explain that analogy to me a little bit, because uh, I'm not sure being Alec Baldwin is a, a good worried. thing. <laughs> now, wait a second, Katie. Do you watch Saturday Night Live? Not really, no. Yeah. But but Alec Baldwin is known for many other things besides Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's true. But he, Actually, he has, al- an, he awesome po- he has an awesome podcast, podcast, so. Yeah, there you go. Well, either way, Gabe uses... Devon think every day. And so we thought it'd be Gosh, fun to have someone in that uses every day. We've also got a collection of notes and emails from our listeners that are big users of it. And so the idea of this show is we're going to go through and talk about why this is a special app and how you can incorporate it into your life. Gabe's going to share a little bit about he, how he's doing it. And we're going to talk about how it fits in the world in 2015. So uh, starting with the basics, um, Gabe, explain Devon think for someone. Okay, well, first, I'm going to throw a little disclaimer out there. Uh, I don't know if you, I would qualify as an expert because it's it's like saying that somebody's an expert with like a Mac. It, it, it's, there's so much to it. It's a huge application. Um, I guess the way I would describe it, a lot of people confuse it for um, like a document database. I think that's a really easy description. I view it almost like a, its own little project finder, like the a finder. You know, like Mac OS Finder, um, but yeah. for like project specific things. So, like, like for instance, one of the things I always and I think that's kind of the opening section of this podcast is yeah. where does this thing fit? Because like you think about an application like Eagle Filer, right? Yep. Eagle Filer is a great application. If you've never heard of it, you should check it out. It's a doc, essentially a document database, and it can save uh, databases per project. So if mm-hmm. you want to like keep all of the documents related to one project together, have it in a savable database. Eagle Filer is a really good solution for it. I covered it in a paperless book. Um, but but Devon Think starts with, in my mind, it starts with that, but it does a lot more than that. Yeah. So it, it's got some, um, I don't know, they used to call it AI, artificial intelligence, uh, in, in the old Devon Tech um, notes i don't know if they still call it that it does feel like artificial intelligence it's got this um 
um, way you could look at it where let's say you organize a project in some into some folders inside Devon thing. So it has a view that kind of looks like a finder with folders, hierarchical folders and and things like that. And you can see documents in there with a nice preview and everything. But once you start filing those things, it kind of figures out where new things should go and relative to like how you've already filed things. So as you throw new documents in, you can do this like they call it auto classify where you don't have to worry about where it, where it's going to go. It's going to figure out like this is where you. So one that I have open here, like I keep my finances in a DevonThink database, and so when I throw in a new um, gas bill, I know you do this with Hazel, but I can just throw in a new gas bill in a DevonThink and it automatically knows this is a gas bill. I didn't have to tell it in any way that this was a gas bill. Like I didn't have to tell it here's the here's an ID or here's a um, account number. It just looks at the content of each document and says oh, this is really similar to these other documents that you've already told me where they go. And uh, it's pretty magical, actually. Now, does it do that via tagging or folders? It organizes by folders, but I'll get into what that could could mean for tags because it actually can treat folders like a tag. So you can create like a, a custom taxonomy of tags just by creating folders and nesting them inside each other and then putting documents in those. So that each document, when it gets put into a folder, gets a tag with that folder's name. So now if you're listening to the show and you're an academic or a lawyer or someone who manages large volumes of documents, this is a show you should probably you know stick with. Because I think that's where, you, when you look at the usage examples, a lot of people are, are doing that kind of stuff. Um, one of the questions I have is... Uh, and and first of all, that term artificial intelligence is really sexy. It's great. You know, it's like the <laughs> idea that you've got an application that I don't have to make um, convoluted Hazel rules for, that I just throw a document in there and it automatically files it for mm-hmm. me. That That's a great idea. But one of the questions and one of the reasons why I have never gone whole hog into DevonThink is because I felt like the world is evolving to this like internet cloud-based whatever, whatever. And Devon has always felt to me like something that, is from the prior to the cloud. Yeah, it's, out, it's outside of that cloud. It's on your computer. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so that there's a certain limitation, like if you're working on multiple devices or if you're working on iOS and I want to, we're going to address that as we go through the show, but I think that's one of the challenges you would face getting started with something like this. Uh, yeah. If so, like Katie, you're, you're a, a big Evernote, Evernote user, right? right. So, this clearly um, predates Evernote. Like I, I checked my first, my when I joined the Devon Think forum was 2004. So that's like, this is this application has been around a long time. And even then it wasn't a version 1.0. Yeah. Um, and so it definitely predated that idea of like all your stuff in one place all the time. Um where they've gone to now is they, they've really focused, I think, on keeping it. Um, this isn't meant to capture everything in one single database. You you could, I would say, like the artificial intelligence starts to fail you as you put more and more unrelated information together in one database. So yeah. it, it kind of loses that um, magic, For at least for me it has. Um it does have some compelling reasons to put tons of unrelated stuff in it uh, for search, but for the things like um, auto classify and uh, they also have something called see also, which is you're looking at a document and say, show me things that would be relevant to this that I have. Um, yeah, and like if you're doing a research paper, yeah, I mean, this is one of the examples I've heard from a lot of our listeners 
And I've seen myself in my tests with it, like I'm doing a research on something for the legal side of my life. And I collect all these PDFs with cases and whatever. And the AI does figure out the kinds of issues and, and groupings of things. And if I yep. read something, I say, show me something else like this. It actually goes into my personal library and finds things that are related. And it feels absolutely magical when it happens. Now, let's let's talk a little bit about that. How is it figuring this out, Gabe? Do you have to initially make some associations? Do you have to initially do some groupings to teach it? Is it doing an yeah, OCR so, scan of things? I mean, you can do you can do the see also thing without grouping, without do, without doing any organization. You can just throw a bunch of PDFs in there. And let's say you're looking at one PDF in Devon Think and you're like, OK, show me other documents that I have that might be relevant. What it's done is it's gone through and scanned all the content of those documents. And so presumably your PDF has OCR data in it. And it looks at that content where words are relative to other words and their relationships within the document. Um, and then kind of builds this behind the scenes, this association to say like, okay, well, this document has these words near each other this often. So this other document also has that. So when you use the, like the C also, it ranks how close that those documents are to the one you're currently using and, um, kind of gives you this like inclination of, oh, well, these three seem really super relevant and these others, maybe not, but you know, it's, it's still kind of up to you to figure out how close they are. I can tell you, I've used it for lots of technical stuff and it's pretty smart. So like in my previous life, I worked in the oncology field and collected huge numbers of PDFs about various projects. And it was really great at figuring out, oh, this is an acronym. This is an actual word. These words are close to each other or these words are really long words. So they're, you know, somehow weighted differently. I don't know how their AI does it, but I've noticed like kind of how they magically associate certain documents to each other. And that it felt like, okay, well it's doing something clearly with these um, larger words. They're, they're getting a heavier weighting. Um, okay. Well, before, before we dig down, dive too deep in, let's, let's try to stay back a little big picture for now and, and stay in an overview of the app. So it sounds like you, you stick your documents into Devon thing and it's the, so one of its big features is it's, it's going to organize your documents or at least help you organize your documents. You know, you may give it a head start, you may set up some categories, you may set up some tags. Um, but then it's going to help you make sense of that. Is that real? Is it a one trick pony? Is that all it really is for is for file and media organization or what other types of things? No, can no you- that's it uh, gets back to the like, it's like trying to explain the finder or say that you're expert at the finder. It's, it's, uh, oh boy, I could, I could run through a whole f- uh, feature list. You can use it as an RSS reader. Like you can give it a URL of an RSS and it will automatically go out and retrieve the articles and, and download actual copies of the articles as which, a built-in web browser. Which is right? interesting for RSS reading, but it's great when you think about in a, in a more technical uh, field, you can you can point it to a, a journal or point it to a specific resource and have it suck in all those databases. Exactly. Right? exactly yeah. yeah, I think that several of the like forum users have written about how they use it for that exact thing of pulling in articles. Um, it's got a rich text editor, like a actual like it feels like text edit. Um, it handles Markdown. Um, what else does it do that's not like document management? Um, let's see. Oh, this OCR, some versions of it. Oh, the the OCR is in the. So I, I'm going to be upfront. I own the like Pro Office version, which is like 150. dollars So it's not a cheap 
app if you go that level, but it comes with probably the best OCR engine I've ever used. The Abbey OCR engine yeah. is absolutely incredible. Granted, you're, you're paying for it to be absolutely incredible, but it, it does OCR, especially of technical content, far better than anything I've ever used. Yeah. Um, and that comes built into Devon Think, but it also like uses it in a way that's pretty pretty valuable in that you can queue up documents to OCR. You can give it a whole stack of PDFs and say, like, here, just churn away on these in, in OCR, all of them. Um, and then my and, understanding is that it has like a, a web clipper type functionality. And I kind of, I, I kind of relate that to like the Evernote web clipper. So you can yeah. pull in things from other sources. Yeah. I actually used it today to solve a problem. I had a, I had a web page that was, it was HTML, but it mostly had just text on it. And I was trying to capture that text as markdown and you can do that with envy all, right? You can grab, um, anybody doesn't know it's a pretty awesome text editor, um, on the Mac you can drag a URL into NVALT and it'll convert it to Markdown. And it was failing for this particular URL. So I used the Devon Think Clipper to, I, I'm browsing the web, I click click it, it, pops up, and you can tell it like how you want it to pull this page in. Markdown, plain text, rich text, HTML as a bookmark, as a web archive of all these different options. And it'll just do that. It did it like perfectly. Pulled in all the Markdown, created a nice little Markdown document for me. Pretty like I love when that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> like when you're like, yeah, oh, I, mean, I have this awesome tool that I would never think about using for that one one particular case. Uh, it's it's interesting because so many of the complaints I have about Evernote are imposed upon it by the fact that it is the be everywhere web based solution. You mm-hmm. know, it's I mean, in order to make Evernote work on every platform and be accessible everywhere and have your data everywhere means they have to do some things to that data that are going to limit their ability to make it awesome. And, um, and yeah, absolutely. So and, so Devon thinks sync is slightly different than well, slightly. It's completely but, uh, different than something like Evernote and much more limited. Yeah. And I, um, I want to talk Evernote. about that later because okay. we're, I'm getting ahead. But just my I guess my point was Devon think if you're if you feel like. Evernote is is hamstringing you if it's giving you limitations that you're not happy with. It seems like Devon Think is a solution that that solves a lot of those problems if you're willing to sacrifice kind of the be everywhere, sync everywhere thing. And uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about because there are different versions of Devon Think, and um, I think that can even be confusing for someone who wants to get into this. Um, so on the Mac, there's three different versions. The first one is Devon Think Personal, and that's the basic level. Yeah. I think they it might even Devon Note might be a level down from that where it it's extremely basic of just capturing text documents and then as you move up the price goes up and they add additional pro features like uh the OCR we mentioned um what else are some of the some of the de- being yeah. able to like associate scripts with things like yeah I think becomes- it's, in the personal version you can basically manage your files and notes and bookmarks and you can capture information and, and edit text and, and automate filing and then when you get into the pro version uh, which is the next step up is you can do everything you could in personal but then you can get into now doing all of that but you can have multiple databases and then you can get into something called smart templates and auto grouping yep. 
and scripting support. And then the next option up is pro office support, which is everything of the first two versions, but then it adds an OCR, then it adds in support for ScanSnap, then it adds an email archiving, which is a big feature yeah. for some people because we've talked a lot about what do I do, how do I archive all these emails, um, and then it uh, adds in web sharing. And so you've mentioned you have the the pro office version, which is the top of the line version. Yep. Yeah, I've uh, I'm all, there's certain things, certain applications I'm always I always go all in. Yeah. <laughs> like like I know I'm going to use all this stuff eventually. Uh, to be fair, I don't think I've ever used the web server piece, the web sharing. You can you can basically run Devon Think from like a Mac mini and then if you expose that, you know, to somebody like through the internet or something like that, you can give them a URL and they get like a little web page into Devon Think and it works for search and browse and all that stuff. Um, the, um, I've never and- used that. And the pricing on those is so the basic is fifty, the pro is eighty, and the was it pro office is one hundred and fifty. Yeah. as we record so, the show, but I think that's been their prices for some time now. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah and these but, are uh, these are one time buy games, or do you have to give? Yeah, get I think into? the last time that I had to pay for an upgrade was year, many years ago. Like, not they don't have major revisions very often, maybe every five years or something like that. And I paid for an upgrade, you know, five years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they do release point releases regularly. Like, I, I don't know, I think maybe every month, like there's a new point release that does something new or fixes something. Um, and those are all free. Yeah. And it's actively developed. I mean, that's, and they've got oh, yeah. an iOS app and we'll talk about that later too. But so you're, I guess you're looking at how deep you want to go down this rabbit hole, but to get that OCR stuff that Gabe was talking about, uh, also a uh, direct scan snap support, another one yeah. of our sponsors, um, you need to get into the pro office. Now the version I've been using is the pro version. And maybe mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why it hasn't stuck with me as much is because I don't have the OCR engine built in. And I think that's probably pretty the, valuable. The scan snap integration is pretty nice too. You just yeah. set it essentially as a, as a destination and it just, the scan snap just works and plops the file right into Devon think and Devon think immediately will start doing the OCR. Um, granted scan scan can do its own OCR. I think the Devon think OCR is better. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to talk more about what makes this application special, but before we do so, uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor today and that's our friends over at gazelle. We're so happy to have them back on the show. Um, so Gazelle is the fast and simple way to sell your used gadgets. You can find out what your used iPhone or iPad or other Apple products are worth at gazelle.com. And this is a good time to be doing that because there's all these new devices coming out. We've got the Apple watch. You got the, uh, the new MacBook coming out. Maybe you want to get some extra cash to invest in something new and shiny from Apple. Well, you could use Gazelle to do that. You've probably got an old iPhone sitting around in a drawer somewhere. Why don't you sell it while it's still got some value? And um, not only can you sell things through Gazelle, you can also buy things. That's a new thing they've got is their certified pre-owned iPhones, Samsung Galaxy phones, iPads directly from Gazelle. So they've got you covered either way. So if you've lost or broken your phone or uh, you need a certified pre-owned device, it's just a great way of buying at a much lower cost than going to Apple and buying a brand new one. Um, uh, the benefits of trading into Gazelle, if you've got your old device you want to sell, is you get paid in cash. The payment is fast. Within a few days, your item is being received, and it's risk-free. They'll also wipe your data for free, and that's really valuable because you don't know what you've got on there. Uh, you definitely don't want to be giving your old phone to somebody you found on Craigslist and having them uh, searching the data out for you. And they're trustworthy. They've paid nearly $175 million 
to over 1 million customers. I'm one of those. I've sold a lot of things through Gazelle over the years. I find it just so much easier. I mean, I, I just gave up on Craigslist and these other services where you feel like you're doing a drug deal when you want to sell an old iPhone. Uh, this is the way to go. It's free shipping. As soon as you tell them what you, you're selling to them on the website, they send you the box. You put it in there. You use the the tape that they include in the box and you throw it back in the mail and then money shows up one day. I mean, how great is that? So uh, what's your phone worth? Take a minute. Go to gazelle.com to find out. Get yourself some extra cash and help you buy the new Apple Watch or, hey, you know, just go out and have a nice dinner. Um, thanks a lot, Gazelle, for sponsoring the show. And uh, go over to gazelle.com. Now, do we, do we have, I don't think we have an offer code, do we, Katie? Uh, when you go to Gazelle, there'll be a drop-down menu to say, where did you find us? And that's where you pop in Mac Power Users. Please say you found them at Mac Power Users. That helps us out. And also, uh, you know, just let them know where you heard from us. Okay. So let's talk about some of the fancy things you can do with this application. Okay. We've, been, we've been dancing around the artificial intelligence idea. And, you know, it really is pretty remarkable that an application can do that. I'm not aware of anything else currently on the Mac that has the ability to not only auto file, but also auto find related materials. And that shouldn't really be understated. No, it's, it's pretty impressive. I, the first time I did it, or, or I can remember ages ago, I was like, there's no way, there's no way this will do what I need it to do. And then you start using it and you're like, you hit the, like I set up a shortcut for auto classify. And then I look to see where the file went. I'm like, wow, it really did know that that's where it should go. And like five levels deep of this folder structure. And it just well, knew. Help me out a little bit with this. And, and I mean, without giving me your exact folder structure, but, but give me an example of how you might set up Devon think. I mean, I know wow. that based with the version that you have, you can have multiple databases. So maybe yeah. you have a personal database, maybe you have a work database, or do you get more granular than that? Do you have a work database? And then do you have, um, you know, different projects set up with you? Do you set up databases on a per project basis? Or do you set I usually it up do on a per, per project? Yeah, okay. I, I prefer to, just through experience, I prefer to do that for a couple reasons. Number one, um, it helps me focus on that project when I'm looking looking at the data and doing the auto class of not the auto class, but the C also. You're not going to have it trying to figure out. Well, this other article does kind of seem like it's similar. I'll put it in the list too, and you, it it's you know it just reduces the cruft. The second reason is once the project's done, I like to kind of like archive it and be done with that and put it off somewhere. And you can do that because it's they call it a database. It's actually like you know, packages on the Mac. It's a special kind of folder and inside there all your files exist with some uh, metadata database file as well um, that Devin Think uses. But you can just take that whole file and move it somewhere and then you're done and that's your archive, which I really do appreciate doing it that way. So um, as far as folder structure goes... So then you have have your database and then within the folder database you have folders. That's the next level. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they have some recommendations for how you do folders where you put documents within the folders, such as like if you want auto classify to work well, you don't put documents at a top level folder. You put them, you know, in a, an appropriate subfolder so that it can kind of figure out like, oh, this is a, this document has this special meaning. You can almost think of it like once I started thinking of folders like they were tags, it made a lot more, made it a lot easier for me. So, you know, I'm looking at my finance database right now. Um, and I have banking and then under, under banking, I'll have mortgage, right? And so 
I put everything associated with my mortgage in that mortgage folder. I don't put it in the banking folder. But if I look at a document in that mortgage folder, it will have tags associated with it. Two of those tags will be one will be mortgage and one will be banking because it, it Devin think automatically put those tags on it because it's in that folder structure. And, you know, the idea is you're making it easier for the computer because you're narrowing the scope of potential exactly. locations. So, you know, if you just put like, for instance, your if you put that uh, mortgage statement in your root directory, there's so many places it could get lost. Yeah. There's a computer doing this at some point. Now, when I first started doing this, I um I made the mistake of putting them in the, 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 the higher hierarchical folders and they were going to the wrong places. Once I learned to kind of put them a little bit deeper, then I never had any problem. But I did go through a phase of about three months where every time I would file something, I would assume that it was um, not available or, you know, that it didn't go in the right place. And I kept mm. checking its work. But then after a while, you start to trust the system. <laughs> yeah. And it will, like, if it really can't figure it out, I've noticed it just won't send it. It'll just, you know, you'll hit the, I'll hit my auto classify button and nothing will happen. And I think that's it saying, like, I don't really know where this thing goes. So I'll just leave it here because this is just as good a place as any. All Um, right. So, like, for example, within my Evernote structure, I have a uh, finances folder. And mm -hmm. inside that, I have a retirement folder where I put, like, you know, my 401k and all those type statements. And then I have what I call just a general statements folder, which is probably too vague, but I subclassify that with cat- with tags, where I put like bank statements, credit card statements, mortgage statements, and those get sub-tagged, you know, bank, credit card, you know, yep. Visa, you know, MasterCard, whatever, um, mortgage. And then I have another subfolder for anything that's insurance related. And then those are subclassified, you know, homeowners, health, you know, whatever it is. So recreating that kind of structure within DevonThink, I could I could create a similar f- folder structure, although maybe separate it out a little bit to have, you know, statements, visa, statements, mortgage, statements, you know, Ma- MasterCard or Bank of America, you know, whatever, however I want to do could, it. Yeah, there's actually nothing special about the folder structure that I've found. It's that's what it's very project specific, like how you want to think about the information. Um Obviously, the more specific you get, the easier it becomes for it to do its job for you. Just like with Evernote, right? You put everything, if you put everything into one giant folder, it's going to be really hard for you to find stuff. Um, same thing with, with Devin Think. So creating that structure does help. But like on the oncology projects, I would put, you know, it would be based on the aspect of the research we were doing. And that's how I would uh, structure all those folders. Um, so a certain type of disease state and then certain types of treatments or certain types of research around those treatments and certain type of trials and things like that and and bucket things that way because that's how I wanted my results to be presented to me show me show me everything relevant for this um, type of of cancer you know that would that would be a type of search that but that's the other um, aspect that we I don't know if it's on the list here uh, of Devin think that is still part of the AI, but is really powerful in its own right. You know, you ask if it's a one trick pony for the auto filing, the search in Devin think is um, incredible. Like the ability to do like this word within three words of this other word. That's really powerful when you start talking about complex documents. So it, it, it's more than just like search these two words. Well, if they're common words, that doesn't really help you that much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to me like another comparison for Devin think for me is um and this is a little tortured but 
bear with me, is Scrivener. Um, as I start pulling documents to do some serious writing, a lot of times I start dumping them into Scrivener because that's one of the advantages of the applications. You can see your research in the left pane and your, your words on the right. Um, but there's like almost no ability to, to, to dig things out in Scrivener. You have to manually go and have it organized and have some kind of hierarchy that you understand. Mm-hmm. With DevonThink, you can just you know type in the search bar what you're thinking about, and, and it will go fetch things for you that you may be able to use. Right. Yep. And the, there's some other tricks to to DevonThink that um, I don't think Evernote has approached yet. I th- it's pretty powerful. The idea of a replicate versus a duplicate is really um, a powerful feature of DevonThink. A replicate is almost like an alias. So you can take a document and say, like, this document here, I want it to also exist in this other folder because sometimes I look in that folder and I want it to to be relevant when I'm looking in that folder. And you, rather than duplicate it to that folder, you just point it to that folder. And now that document, when you're browsing those two folders, will appear in each one, but it only exists one time. And that's huge because if you, it also has the ability to annotate documents. So yes. if you annotate it once, it shows up with those same annotations in every instance of the document. Yes, right. You, you, only, you only have the one copy, but you're telling it this has meaning in this folder, but it also has meaning in this other folder. And then again, the AI starts to figure out like, okay, well, these things are starting to have relevance in two places. Maybe it's associated with two different types of information and the C also starts to become more powerful as well. Okay. You know, there's just a lot to like about that, except for the fact that it's a, it's basically on one computer. Yeah. I mean, we can get into syncing if you want. Um, It, it doesn't have to be on just one computer, but it's not the type of syncing that we think about with Evernote where it's all in the cloud and the cloud is the canonical and your device is just pulling down a copy and interacting with the cloud. It's definitely not like that. It's more like they have they have their own um, syncing preference where you can say, this database, always keep a copy here, or I'm opening it from this NAS, but also back up a copy in Dropbox. And it will automatically do this every time you open it and save it, and you can specify when it um, creates that sync copy. Um, and in now, that in that case, you could have two computers pointing to the same copy and using it that way. But, but you've also got that you know that third rail at that point, where if you leave it open on one computer and then you go to another computer and open it, um, aren't you asking for trouble? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a there are a couple big gotchas in syncing Dev and Think. One would be avoid opening it on two computers at the same time if you. Th- especially if you think it's going to be modified on two computers at the same time yeah. or in, within similar amounts of time. Um, but that's kind of what, why they've done their sync the way they have. So you can have a copy for the one machine being always replicated to that machine. So when you're working on your MacBook, you have a copy on your, say, iMac or um, Mac Mini. And when you make a, a, a save on your MacBook, it automatically saves to the same copy on like your Mac Mini. So the yeah. Mac Mini is always up to date with its own copy. So it's almost like a replicating that data, which isn't a big deal unless you have gigabytes and gigabytes of data, and then it's a pain. Yeah. But doesn't it do incremental, like, saves? I mean, it's not, if you add one PDF, it's not going to save the entire gigabyte database, No, right? it doesn't save the whole thing again. Yeah, it does incremental. Yeah. yeah. So how do you get all the information 
into Devon thing? I mean, am I and, and what kind of stuff can I pull in there? I mean, I know with Evernote, one of the the advantages of Evernote is you can throw almost anything into Evernote and it will take it. It may not be able to natively display it. You may have to pull it back up out, but um, you know, you can throw PDFs and JPEGs and all. How do, what kind of stuff can I put into Devon Think and and have it understand, be able to use some of these capabilities? Um, and how do I get it in there? You, you've alluded to some of that stuff, like um, with the with the web clipper that they have, and and then also with kind of this ability for it to slurp things down from from websites. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about how stuff gets into Devon Think. Well, it, it's pretty much just like the Finder, like moving it from one finder location to another, you just drag files in and pretty much, I I don't think I've ever come across a file type that it didn't support like video, audio, um, images, um, Adobe, uh, like every Adobe file format I've ever tried. Um, like obviously plain text and, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever added anything to it. I think I think you can even put an application into inside Devon Think and it would happily take it. It, it. Really, the only thing it's doing at that point is it's making a copy into its um, package file, like package directory of that file, and then it's adding some metadata to its database about it. So it, it doesn't really care that much about what you're, what kind of stuff you're putting in, and it, it really is just drag and drop. So if I if I have very very basically um, a PDF or a folder of PDFs of information that I want to look at uh, or analyze on my desktop, and I drag those PDFs to DevonThink and, and want to do something with it, am I duplicating that data essentially, or is that data now only going to live in DevonThink? You are if you do the drag and drop method, you are duplicating it. DevonThink also has this concept of indexing, so you can point it to a folder and say index all that data, and what it'll do is kind of like run through it, read all the properties of the data, pull in, create like previews and all that stuff. But the data exists in that other external folder. Um, And then when you interact with the data, you're interacting with it through that folder. You have to rerun that index periodically if you're changing your data. Um, That can be somewhat automated. um, Obviously, if you delete the source data, DevonThink's not going to be able to do anything with it. Yeah, just assume that it's gone. When it indexes it, it'll remove it from its own you know, index. Um, now, it, when you do that, though, um, you know, like one of the things I'm intrigued about is the ability to use it to annotate um, the research from within the application. Does that get saved to the file that's outside, or do the, the, annotations, the annotations get saved? Yeah, yeah, the annotations that you do within DevonThink are saved. They're just like regular PDF annotations. It's it's got a PDF editor in it, um, so anything done within DevonThink is done to the file just like normal. Um, it, the the tags and things like that um, they're DevonThink specific, you know whether or not you put the tag on a file. But DevonThink has the ability to integrate with um, the uh, the Spotlight search on your Mac. So you can you can say you know what make all this data available to Spotlight too. So when you do a search, if a file's inside DevonThink, Spotlight will show it with a little DevonThink icon, but the full preview will be there in Spotlight and everything, and it treats it just like a normal file. And if you open it, it opens it in DevonThink. Do you have to turn that on? Because I, I didn't know that feature yeah. existed. Yeah, uh, you do. You have to tell okay. it, and it's per database, too, which is nice. Right. Actually, yeah. I that's one of the other reasons I like to sequester information inside DevonThink is... I don't necessarily want all that stuff available when I'm trying to do a spotlight search. Like I have tons and tons of files. <laughs> like my NAS has terabytes and terabytes of data. I don't necessarily want it all 
available for search all the time. And so going in and saying like, you know what, this folder, like, like my mail archive, that doesn't need to be made available to spotlight because I have search already from my email. I don't want that showing up again. Um, in a, in a, you know, as a second copy of the mail message. Now that there's an interesting issue there. Uh, when you do this, do you, um, save all of your databases to your NAS drive or do you keep them locally? And does it I, I make keep, a difference? So like the finance one, I keep locally because I use it a lot. Doesn't it, so it, it's fine. I only have one, the one Mac. It, so it doesn't matter to me. Uh, almost every other one I keep on my NAS and I can open them from, from the NAS without any issue. But I have, I have a pretty, pretty beefy fast NAS too. So, but um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't exactly. care. Once it's open, it's open. There's no, there's no like memory issues with it. It doesn't need to load the whole database into memory or anything like that. And that's that's uh, wirelessly to your NAS. Uh, I'm on Ethernet mo- mostly in okay. my house, but it does work over Wi-Fi. My my sure. NAS is available over Wi-Fi too. Interesting. But like, yeah, yeah see, actually, this morning I was using it. A, yeah, I was using a database on my NAS this morning over Wi-Fi from my kitchen table. So, and I didn't really even notice that it was on a remote volume. Hi, um, why don't we do? We we've got a. Uh, Let's talk about our next uh, sponsor, but then I want to talk a little bit about um, getting information out of it and collaboration. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, our next sponsor for this episode is our good friends over at Smile. And I want to talk a little bit about Text Expander. Uh, Text Expander for Mac is just one of the products that I absolutely positively cannot live without on my Mac. And, you know, you realize it when you go to somebody else's Mac and they don't have Text Expander. And it's, it's almost just because... It's like you can't function. Um, so when I'm using Text Expander on my Mac, it, it's just become a second hand for me. You can use Text Expander uh, to insert little snippets of text that you create just by a couple of keystrokes. So I can insert standard greetings. I can insert text signatures. And these can be more than just plain text. They can be formatted text. I save thousands and thousands of keystrokes uh, each year just because I'm using Text Expander to take these short little abbreviations and turn them into much longer bits of text. Perhaps one of my favorite and most used features of Text Expander is that it makes me look a lot smarter because it automatically corrects my typos. Text Expander comes uh, with a database that you can download with uh, an autocorrect database full of, of typos that people commonly make, you know, like when you meant to type the and instead you type T-E-H. Yeah, I don't do that anymore because every time I do it, Text Expander just automatically fixes it for me. I don't even see it anymore. But I've actually created my own typo database so that when I have commonly misspelled words that I know that I mistype, Text Expander is going to fix those for me. Uh, you can also do some advanced snippets. And in fact, I just created one this morning. I sent somebody an email and I realized, gosh, that was I was really proud of myself. That was a very good email. And, and I may want to send that email to somebody else again. So I, I highlighted that email and I actually right clicked because they've got a contextual menu item. And I said, I'm going to create a snippet from from the text in this email. And I took all of the personal information in that email and I used it to create fill-in. So I said, you know, dear blank, create a fill-in snippet to make it this name. Uh, I wanted to follow up with you regarding blank, create a fill-in snippet. Let's call it the subject. Um, this is regarding file number blank, create a fill-in snippet for this. Uh, and I just went down the email and created a few fill-in snippets. And within about a minute and a half, I had created a text expander snippet for this email, named it, saved it. And now I can use that snippet anytime I want 
uh, to automatically regenerate that email whenever I come across a, a similar situation. And it's just going to save me a ton of time. Uh, these snippets sync via Dropbox, so you can use them on multiple devices, uh, even on your iOS devices with the Text Expander Touch and their awesome new Text Expander keyboard. Uh, so if you haven't tried Text Expander yet, you should. Uh, head over to smilesoftware.com. They've got a free trial that you can download and start trying Text Expander today. Once you try it, I guarantee that you'll love it and you just won't realize how you've ever lived without it. So thank you to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users. And so far we've been talking about Devin think like using in the context of one person, one researcher, you know, one database. Um, have you had any experience using it to collaborate with others? Uh, no, I'm kind of a hermit. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Because you know, Gabe, when, it that way. when you were talking about this, I was I was actually thinking our office just put into place and we spent thousands and thousands of dollars uh, on a new office practice management system, you know, where we could create new client files and associate documents with each client. And I'm thinking, you know, for a small firm or for a solo practitioner, you know, Devon think could almost be a, a practice management system for many types of, of practices. And then I wondered, well, but you know, if you add one more person, if you add an assistant or if you add an associate, you know, is that going to scale? Yeah, actually, the um, I'm going to say a word about the DevonThink forums because I consider that a feature. I think the DevonThink forums are the both the nicest and most useful forum I've ever participated in. <laughs> like, I still go wow. there periodically. The people are extremely generous with their time, but they have a whole section on use cases where people just go in. Fan, I mean, this application has fans, right? You oh, talked no, about aware te- of that. text expander. Aware of that. Text expander has fans. Devin think has fans and people just go in and they will write huge posts about this is how our firm uses this thing or we're using it this way and we want to like graduate to using it more you know broadly across you know a large organization how do we do that and the support people on the Devin think forum are amazing they've been there 10 plus years they're fixtures and they're help is like pretty detailed. They're not just like, Oh, you're doing it wrong. Or, you know, they go into deep explanations. Oh, this is why this doesn't work for you. It's because the application is actually doing this under the hood. Like, those are pretty great things to have, especially on a complex application. So if you're interested in stuff like the using it in a law firm, I guarantee there's something on the forum where somebody's talked about how they use it in a firm. Um, the idea of using it multiple people using the same database across a large environment has definitely been um, broached several times in the in the forum. I don't think it's what I would call an ideal solution for a shared um, document management system, um, just because of the the whole need to be dynamically updating all the time. I think becomes an issue, but I know there's people that have done it. Because they've they've written up how they've done it, and it particularly with like, like syncing, invi- just seems Sorry. to me like an invitation to like a database crash. You know, I mean, it's it's tough enough with one person. You're actually and- replicating the data between everybody's machines, and you're kind of keeping them all in sync independently. Yeah, so but if- what if two people are using it at the same time? Good question. I don't know. Like I said, I'm a yeah. hermit. <laughs> I don't it's share like my almost, data. <laughs> you have a conch, right? And the conch says, um, Devin think, and you cannot work in the database unless you have the conch. And yeah. You just have to pass it around the office. 
But you, you're doing <laughs> that all the time Dropbox with, with all the sync services, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Dropbox, Evernote, you're, we've just all accepted that somehow they're going to work it out in my favor most of the time. And sometimes it doesn't. Like, I've definitely had the situation on Dropbox where time, timestamps get out of sync somewhere. And then, like, my changes keep getting overrided by a previous change. I don't know if you, you've ever seen that. Um, yeah, yeah. Not fun. <laughs> so. well, and that's and, and another like I keep coming back to Scrivener because I find I find these app these are two apps that are very powerful but they really need to exist at you know the data needs to exist or be acted upon one, at one time they're not yep. necessarily cloud friendly applications and I have I mean it's just programmed in my head when I'm in Scrivener you know Command S frequently and when I'm done working in Scrivener Command Q you quit the app you don't yep. walk away and leave it running. And if right. you just teach yourself that for one person, uh, switching between different devices, it's not, it's not insurmountable. Yeah. I know that they're working on sync. I think the Devon tech, um, so the application evolves pretty slowly at this point because it is so complex. And I think they, they really care about backwards compatibility of databases. I know they're working on sync and they have been for a long time, just like their iOS app. I don't know. I don't have any detail about what they're doing. I just know it's been mentioned in the past. Well, yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about their iOS app. Do you do you sure. use it at all? What what can you access with the iOS app? Um, I'll be frank. I don't. I'm not a fan of the iOS app. I don't think it's very good um, for what I want to use it for. I think it's great for, as a capture device. So <clears throat> they have this concept of the inbox. <clears throat> That's a whole other feature of, of Devon Think. Yeah, we talked about the Web Clipper. They have their thing that they call a sorter. Essentially, sits on the side of your screen. It's optional. You turn it on, and uh, you can throw anything in there, and it'll automatically go into your DevonThink inbox. Well, the iOS app has the same concept of an inbox, and you can throw things in there. And then, when you're on your network, it'll sync up with the DevonThink inbox. And so everything will be in your one inbox at that point. Um, you can also tell it over. Um, a Wi-Fi connection to like sync databases between the iOS device and your your Mac. So you can say like these three databases always make them available on my iOS device, and when there's changes, sync those changes back and forth. Um, again, it's over Wi-Fi only, so it's not through the cloud. So if you forget to turn your phone on to Wi-Fi, which I do occasionally when I get home, <laughs> and then they won't be up to date. So I actually don't use the iOS app that much. Yeah, I mean that's that's a place they could grow, but it, it is quite impressive if you have the need for an application that can manage these large amounts of data. At what point do you think? What's the tipping point for you where you think someone needs to be starting to think about uh, Dev and Think in their workflow? I would say once once I get probably over twenty documents on a project, like the it, or or the information starts to become like complex enough that. I want to start segregating it and adding annotations or adding notes. That's the other thing is, you know, in the finder, you can put things in folders. That's great. But then you want to put little notes in with those. Well, now you open up your text editor and you create a note and you save it into that full, find that folder, save it. And Devin think you just go into the folder and you, you do um, new, and then you choose what type of document you want to create. Like almost anything like a spreadsheet, a, you know, text file, a PDF, whatever, you can just start creating right there in that folder. So if your data is going to grow 
um, you know, like Scrivener, right? When do you decide when you're going to put stuff into Scrivener when you, when you're writing? I get to a point where it's like, okay, this is, this is too big for me to manage with a folder, you know? Yeah. And you want to put some meaning behind it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. We talked a lot about how documents get into Devon Think. How do you get information out? And I know that's been one of David's difficulties that he struggled with with Evernote is that real easy to get stuff in. What would you call it? The Roach Motel. But but not not so easy to get <laughs> stuff out. Um, is is that is Devon Think something that you use just for your personal use to organize your information? And then when you're doing a final product, you you take the sources from somewhere else or, or can you export from Devon think and, and get clean copies out of information? Or if you decide, you know what, I've spent years in Devon think it's not for me or gosh, darn it. The, the developers have just completely up and left me and, and now I'm left and I, I don't know what to do now. I need to get all my data out. What's, what's the exit strategy? Okay. Well, the exit strategy, if you're, you know, if, if we're talking about a future state where we're happily using ev- uh, Devon think, and we just decide this particular data we want to get out is pretty simple. You just drag it out and it, and it copies it to the, the, wherever you let go, right? It just moves everything out. No problem. And, and if I um, put in a PDF, I get out a PDF. I put in a text document, I get out a text document. Yep, you get a, you get out what you put in. And in fact, if you, if you drag out one of those folders that you've created, um, there it's a folder with the content in it with the, all the subfolders. Like it's organized exactly the way it was in Devon Think. You drag out a folder with five levels and and a hundred documents, you will get a folder with five levels and a hundred documents on your desktop. What about things I've created in Devon Think? Same, like text notes. It just creates either dot tech dot txt files, rich notes or dot uh, rtf. You know, bookmarks or bookmarks. It, it treats the everything is still just a document. Now let's say dear we're Evernote, at, take note. Let's say we're at some dystopian future where uh, they just quit and they're not doing anything. The app died. We got a new Mac, you know, an OS update and we can't open DevonThink to to do any to drag things out. Well, it's a package file. You right click it. You say, you know, open package. And inside there, you're going to find like a hierarchy of folders and it's all organized in there like you had it. And the original files are in there. You just you know, open that package and drag everything out and then you're, you're all set. So it's, it's pretty future proof in my opinion. Um, it doesn't create any special type of files that I would care about. So if I wanted to completely jump ship, it wouldn't be a problem. Um, there are certain, you know, I don't know how, like it has the concept of a trash folder. So when you delete something, it doesn't actually get deleted immediately. It puts it into a trash folder. Um, I don't know where that's stored inside the package. I'm sure it's just a folder somewhere, probably named dot trash. And so then it's, it's pretty simple getting it out. What about the, um, you know, like if you've annotated a PDF, so if I'm going through and I'm, I'm reading some research or I'm reading an article and I find something's interesting and I, I want to make some notes and I'm going to do an annotation. So those live on the actual PDF itself. If I now want to, you know, if I now want to export out a clear, a clean copy of that PDF, that's gone. Uh, no, it's the annotation is embedded in the, in the PDF. So when you open up a PDF inside Devon thing, first you can, you can open it up in an external editor if you wanted to, if that was, if you wanted to use PDF pen to do all your annotations, cause it has really awesome annotation features. You, you can do that just fine. When you save it, it saves it back inside Devon think it doesn't, doesn't care. 
Um, from the from the external applications perspective, it's just a file in a slightly deeper folder structure because it's inside that package. Um, but if you annotate from within DevonThink, it has a pretty good annotator. And it when you hit Command S, it saves it into the PDF. It's really part of the PDF. So it, I mean, it's, real, it's yeah, a real it's, editor. It's just like any other application in that regard. I mean, if you annotate it, it's going to have annotations embedded in the file. And that, I don't think that really makes a difference, whether you're using DevonThink or right, PDF10 right. or Adobe or whatever. Uh, and, and one of the things to do in that case is is why not keep a, uh, I always keep a clean copy of a lot of the PDFs that I annotate a lot, especially if it's something I may have to produce as part of a lawsuit. You want to have a clean copy. Yep. Then you can um, just duplicate in Dev and Think. They have a you know command just to duplicate a file. So you can duplicate it before you, before you annotate it. But I'll throw in some of the other types of annotations. If you put a tag, if you put tags on your files and you export them, they use the Mac OS tags. Once they're exported. So you tag file in DevonThink using the DevonThink tags. They're real spotlight tags. It's spotlight tags or the, uh, the um, I guess, what is the new word for it? You know, the, that showed up with Just Mavericks. Finder tags? Finder tags. There you go. Yeah, but is this the iOS friendly t- new tagging system that I don't know. Maver- Mavericks? Good, good, good question. I don't know. Yeah. I know I'm on, uh, what, Yosemite. And if I export this document and do get info, there they are. There's all my tags. So now, that's nice. You mentioned when you're when you're done with a project, you'll you'll archive it. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that information doesn't just just go away. Does that mean it's no longer searchable until you unarchive it, or what happens then? So that's that is an aspect of how you design your databases. I would say even even more than the folder structure, like deciding how you want to handle databases is pretty key. Um, because there's no search across databases unless you open multiple databases simultaneously. Um, so the once I archive a, a database file, say I put that on my NAS, I actually do have a place called uh, um, DevonThink Archive. And once that file's there, if I do a search inside DevonThink, DevonThink doesn't know anything about that file. It doesn't doesn't have any recollection that it ever worked with that data until I open that file and say, now search on this. That's actually, I consider that a feature. Like I said, <laughs> I don't want it to search all that old data. Um, so this, I don't know if that answers your question. It, it just, it's, you could think of it like DevonThink is an application. The database files are like its native file format. And inside those database files are all your files. So if you if you're in pages and you don't open one of your previous pages documents, uh, it won't know that how to search on those. Same idea. All right. Well, Gabe, I think we might want to take a quick break and, and talk about our next sponsor. But when we come back, I want to know, yeah, you know, if you can give us some more examples, talk a little bit more about use cases and and give our listeners some ideas of of maybe how you use DevonThink without sure. exposing any any secrets or anything. No, but, I got but, some good ones. But but how you use it and and that will maybe you know tip them off on some ideas of yeah this is this is a product that that works for me. Yeah, and we also have a, a a significant list from some of our listeners that wrote in with some of their use cases. We're going to share some of those too. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's talk about our sponsor, the Omni Group, and we're so happy to have the Omni Group as a sponsor of the show. Um, we've talked prior that the Omni Group has been hard at work doing updates to their iPad apps to make them universal because now we have this big iPhone uh, and everybody wants to get their Omni Group apps on the iPhone as well. Uh, well, in March, they shipped Omni Graffle for iOS. 
OmniPlan for iOS and OmniOutliner for iOS. And earlier, this uh, just recently on April 2nd, they released the last of those, and that's the universal update of OmniFocus 2.1 for iOS. So what does that mean? OmniFocus now works in landscape mode with a sidebar on the iPhone 6 Plus. So if you've got one of those gigantic phones, OmniFocus looks kind of awesome. I have to admit, guys, I'm I'm feeling the siren oh, you're song gonna of go the back. iPhone 6 you're Plus You're going to go back. And and the Omni Group, like Omni Outliner and Omni Focus with that bigger screen, I am curious. I haven't decided yet, but, you know, when the fall comes, we'll see. Um, but you can also, like, use the review perspective now on the phone, which is great. Uh, you can create pers- uh, perspectives with the Pro version, which is great. You can uh, view perspectives with a project hierarchy. They did a really great job with uh, getting the perspectives and being able to move them around with this new version. And whether you're using the big phone or not, you should definitely you know, try that out as it gives you the update. Um, you can show a custom perspective in the today view with the pro version. Uh, and you can completely customize the home screen and place perspective tiles in any order using drag and drop, which is amazing. Like I've got like a perspective called today that I'm always using. Now I'm able to put it up higher in the list. You can even make them like half size buttons. So you can put more on if you want to have it all viewable at one time, they really went to town with making the, um, the user interface more customizable. So now you can make OmniFocus give you exactly the perspectives you want. And it's great. Have you tried that yet, Katie? Yes, I have. I have. Recorded. Isn't it great? Have you, you've already done it, right? It's, it's awesome. And uh, so it's, it's universal. Um, it contains a lot of smaller improvements and bug fixes too. If you already own OmniFocus 2 for iPad, uh, you already have the universal version as a free update. So you can, uh, you can, and if you purchase the pro upgrade that carries over too. So if you've got it on your phone, just download the OmniFocus to universal and you don't need to use the iPhone particular app anymore. And you can buy OmniFocus universal bundle creating using create, um, complete my bundle to preserve the money you've invested in the iPhone app. So if you own OmniFocus one for the iPhone or the iPad, you can get the pro in-app purchases for free Make sure you download those onto your device before you do it. And you can do that under the purchase tab. And for those of you who already own OmniFocus 2 for both the iPhone and the iPad, you're eligible for a $10 rebate, reducing your cost to the current price of the Universal app to $40. Uh, You can find more details of how to claim your rebate on Omni's website. So if you uh, don't want your rebate, you can choose to donate it to charity like the EFF or App Camp for Girls, our friend uh, Gene McDonald is doing. Um, and if you've never bought OmniFocus for iOS, there's never been a better time. So go check it out. These guys have been really hard at work making this amazing universal app. And OmniFocus on the iPhone and the iPad is better than ever. So uh, thanks a lot, Omni, for supporting the show. And everybody go check out the OmniFocus update on iOS. So, Gabe, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how did you get into DevonThink? And when did you decide that it was, what was the tipping point? When would it, was it? right for you and maybe a little bit about how you're using it. Um, yeah, like I said, I got into it a pretty long time ago at this point, like 11 years ago. Um, I've used it to varying degrees, uh, over the years. So some, you know, based on what I'm working on, I'll use it more or less. Um, I think the reason I first went, got on board with spending that much on an, on a, an application to organize files was because I'm a hoarder of PDFs of data of all kinds of information and particularly PDFs. I, you know, I was a researcher. I collected a lot of literature, um, and kept it organized on a computer and it just became too much, too hard to find what I needed. 
you know, especially when I, I think my PDF archive um, for like chemistry um, research was over 2000 PDFs and it was just too difficult for me to find the one paper that I cared about. This was I, I, especially before from, online searching. We have heard from so many researchers that just say, this is the application that that's yeah. their, it's their one app, you know, and it's, I, it's I can pretty, see how you found it that it's way. It's pretty powerful. And then, then the idea of like, Oh, well I'm, it's, it's organized my PDFs. That's awesome. It earned its keep just there. But then I can drop in a little text note in this file and, you know, make it, make notes alongside the PDF right there um, without needing to, to leave or do anything else. And that's pretty great. Like that was, a, that was a really nice like step up from how I had been using PDFs. Um, the, the tipping point for a project is, is, I mean, it, it all varies so much. Like I'm working on a little, little project right now. I'm not using dev and think with it because I only have probably 10 files and I've, I've just put those all on a Dropbox folder and I, you know, it's pretty easy to find what I need. I think if that project expands much more than that, I'll probably start organizing in dev and think. And, you know, it is something that I work on windows at, at work all day, so I can't use dev and think at work, which is a huge bummer. But uh, those types of projects I don't need to use at work. Uh, well, one of the advantages, it sounds like the the um, the process of, of putting an application or putting a project into dev and think isn't that difficult. You're dragging in folders. So yeah. Yeah. And, you hit- and you're not stuck either. You can drag them back out when you're done or if you decide, you know what, this isn't going to go anywhere. I don't care about it anymore. So it's it's pretty pretty easy in and out too so i can work in it for a little while and take stuff just like scrivener right you can put stuff into scrivener and then you can decide to move your project to some other application you can get your documents out yeah it seems it's it's funny how those applications do have a lot in common the um where have you hit the trouble spots with the application over the years the syncing, you know, I'm a lot more mobile on my phone now. And I do, there's, there's many times I wish I just had like, oh, I wish I just had this database right now. I, like, I know the file I need is in there. Um, especially like, say, tax time. Sometimes my, uh, you know, the guy who does my taxes will say like, oh, just send me this thing. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I need to need to pull that out of somewhere. I can't I don't keep it in Dropbox or it's an encrypted file inside Dropbox. So, you know, it's it kind of stinks not having it immediately available on my phone. Um, on the other hand, you know, Devin thinks pretty secure. So I feel good putting my finance stuff in there. You can you can password protect it itself. It has has the ability to password protect a database. But then you can take, because it's a single file, you can put it in an encrypted disk image and you're all set now. And you know, nowhere, no matter where you put that, you're, you're pretty much okay with, with that data being secure. So I do like that. You know, to me, cloud sync isn't always my favorite option because I don't, I don't necessarily want everything I put into something to go into somebody else's database on their servers outside my control. And, and you know, uh- and that to to your point, that's one of the things, you know, I, we talk about Evernote too much on the show, but you know, I, I, I get why it's so special, but sometimes I wonder if I need a lot of those features. I mean, do I need it to be everywhere at once? Um, another, I guess, running bit here is the idea of best in breed versus Jack of all trades. And, you know, 
one of the things about Evernote is it is a jack of all trades. It does everything. And every time yeah. they have a new announcement, it does something else. Whereas, you know, you get these applications like Devon think, which isn't the application where you're going to be writing your words, but is the application where you're going to be doing your research. Actually, it could be. I, I read this whole forum post to somebody that they're a writer and that's what they use as Devon think oh, really? to write their whole thing. Yeah, because it has it has the ability to like, you know, write right in a text file it has a pretty feature rich text editor. Um, but then they put all their re- just like you do with Scrivener, right? I I would say that they would probably be better off moving to Scrivener unless they have a huge amount of data that they need to search on. Um, but they liked how they could organize information about um, the characters in their book and you know find bits of information whenever they needed to. Yeah, it kind of feels like an edge case, though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but the um. But the point is, you know, it's very good for the pieces that we've been talking about. Um, what, what are the things that it does that still delight you? Oh, that AI stuff's pretty awesome. Like the 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 automatic filing, the suggesting related articles, and then the powerful search functionality is is still one of those things. I use it. You know, you ask for a use case. I archive my email into Devon Think. Um, it has great integration with mail. It has mail scripts that it can install to automatically archive stuff and to send, send messages over. But then you could just say like, you know, I use MailMate as my mail app. So it doesn't have direct integration with MailMate like it does with mail.app. But I could tell it, you know what? Index my MailMate um, application support folder where all the messages are stored it knows what an email is. So when it indexes it, if I want to go in and say search from Katie, you know, with a date and this word, you know, Mac power users near Google doc, you know, then I know, okay, here's the message from Katie about where the Google doc is. Um, It's, it's got some really powerful search. I think that is one of those things you don't notice until you really start digging into it. Yeah, so now wait, we had a we had a listener who talked about that, so I want to dig into that a little bit more. Are you just pointing Devon Think and having it email your mail? Or, I'm sorry, having it index your your mailbox files, or is it actually sucking in and preserving? Is it is this like a backup archive of of your mail? I am indexing now. I used to import it and keep it as like an offline archive of my mail, but you know, I I kind of trust where I keep my mail now, so I'm. I'm never worried that my, like, my mail provider will just go away or change access or decide like they're doing something different with my mail um, or that I won't have access to an archive at some point. Um, so I don't don't bother pulling it in, putting it offline anymore. But you could. Could. Yeah, you could just point it at it and say, like, import this entire folder and it will just churn away, pulling everything in, preserving things like the folder structure of, that you had on your mailbox and all that information pulls in all the attachments or like the way I do it. I point it at the folder and I say, just index this for me. It'll, it'll run through and pull in all the metadata and you can actually, you know, use quick look in Devon think and it'll quick look the mail message and things like that. So it, it's pretty, pretty flexible when it comes to like, th- that's a surprising use case too. You, you never think about, Oh, well it's, it's a mail archive. It's pretty nice. Same thing with um, an RSS reader. I for years I used Devon Think as my RSS reader. It was, it was great. Like you, 
give it. Here's the RSS feed of these. Back in those days, there were far fewer sites to read. Um, of these, you know, 25 sites that I want to read all the time and fire it up and it just goes off and gets the latest posts and pulls them in and I would have it actually like archive the post in to be offline accessible so I didn't have to be online all the time. Gabe's just creating his small little archive of the internet that he's interested in. Yeah, <laughs> so why not? A uh, little, yeah. little internet archive. And then I know when people change things, right? Now I know why you need the NAS drive. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you I'm a hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? You're not alone, brother. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Bits are cheap now. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. are and they aren't. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if that clarifies some of the, some of the like unusual use cases for you. I think I think it's kind of like uh, I don't know. It's like saying like, what can you use Safari for? <laughs> you yeah, I can get use it. it for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a couple of listeners who have written in with some questions that maybe you can answer, uh, as, as well as some examples that maybe you I'll can help elaborate on uh, as terms of, of of how they're using it. Um, Art had a had a pretty good idea, and he is using it kind of as a, a dump for all of those conference manuals. And so Art says, I attend several co- technical conferences each year, and I will typically receive a thumb drive or download a link to the proceedings. He said, this consists of hundreds of presentations in PDF form, and in many cases labeled with little or no title information. I have zero interest in opening each of these files and tagging them, or otherwise adding metadata to index these documents. And without that, it would be a difficult task to find a specifically useful paper within the stack. I use a nested folder system, and what I do is simply create a folder with the conference title and date containing all of the individual PDF files within it. I then index this with the DevonThink program so that the folder and its contents are now in the DevonThink database. What DevonThink allows me to do is to query the database with very smart and very flexible search terms. And then the AI is pretty good at figuring out what the most relevant papers are for my search. If I develop a search for a specific topic that I know that I'll use again, I can save that search for future use. And then I can, of course, run the search again over my entire database of papers, which might encompass many conferences over many years, plus other papers collected along the way. I thought this was a great use because I just went to a conference and as other people in my office go to a conference, they come back with all of this material. You never have the ability to read it all, but you never know, especially in my field, when you'll have a case that's just like that case and you think in the back of your head, gosh, I think there was a speaker at this conference this one time that I went to that talked about something that was kind of like this. And then it's gone. You have no idea where you found it. But if you just where where else are you otherwise going to find that stuff? Yeah. And sometimes you get almost PDFs. Sometimes you get almost PowerPoints and Word documents or whatever they happen to save it as for to to give out at the conference. Uh, so it's it's nice that it's a generic um, data archiver. So you, you can put it all in the same place. You can put them all in the same kind of folders, and the AI will work to also still suggest, oh, this PowerPoint is relevant to this PDF. So yeah, that's I think that's a that's a great use. I could totally understand why somebody would do that. <laughs> Yeah, we always uh, we get uh, complaints from listeners quite often saying, you know, thanks a lot. I listened to your show. It cost me a bunch of money. And as we get deeper into this, I'm thinking, 
I'm going to have to buy the $150 version. So yeah, sorry. everybody, <laughs> everybody I, I'm now eating my own medicine here. I wish so. they had an affiliate program. I just sold a copy to uh, a mutual friend uh, the other day. Eddie Smith is now oh, full, fully on board with this thing. Yeah. For he, his, he, he his talked about archives. that in his yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's always sending me little DMs like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. It does X. <laughs> like, yeah. yep, yep. You're, you're, you know, it's one of those things you're, it feels like $150 for a piece of software, but then it just keeps paying you back with saving you time and saving you effort and, you know, it's particularly surfacing things that you wouldn't have found necessarily um, any other way. Yeah. I think it's, it's worth worth it to me. Yeah. We heard from Scott. Um, he's a researcher and he says one of the most hateful tasks in his life is responding to requests for proposals. And uh, says the typical customer sends anywhere between 15 and 300 technical questions to be addressed. And many of them are repeat questions. So he's done 200 of these and his longest response to date was about 190 pages. So you can Ugh. imagine how much data he's managing. And the big issue with searching directories full of responses is that every term you search is in every document. All right. I get that. Uh, and it's very hard to narrow down the search expression. So Devin think is the best solution he's found. He can load content into it, like all kinds of formats and easily copy and standard answers as he works. And then he just attaches the word documents. And the payoff is that it has rock star searching, which, which we were talking about earlier. He says, I can type in those widely used expressions and it returns really accurate and useful results. Yeah. So we, we've talked about it a lot in terms of PDFs, but if you've got the kind of business where you've got a lot of word documents you're using as kind of like a document depository resource, you could drop those in a question. I didn't ask, will it take pages documents? Oh, I'm sure it will. I, I yeah. actually haven't checked that. I don't use pages that much. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure it would handle it as far as accepting it. I don't know what it would decide to do for the preview. Uh, <laughs> and what, what version of pages? Cause apparently yeah. pages has trouble with some pages. <laughs> exactly. <documents. laughs> I don't know how they handle their preview. I think the preview is still like the quick look stuff yeah. is still done by um, the OS. So yeah. like, it seems like everything the OS can quick look Devin think can quick look. Um, so I, I would, I would hope it works. We also heard from listener, and, I, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, but I believe that the name is pronounced Eust, uh, who talks about patent searches. He says, uh, the initial reason I got into DevonThink was because of Evernote. He said, Evernote's biggest pain point for me is that it's easy to put stuff in, but it's hard to get stuff out. Gosh, David, that sounds like something you've said before. He says, I have about 500 to 600 articles in Evernote, which is not that much. Uh, I think it's a lot, but finding something is a pain. Devon think, however, I keep thousands of articles and never have a problem finding what I need. And Devon think I perform a lot of patent and intellectual property searches and reviews. Whenever I find a patent that I perceive is in my company's area of product domain, I collect it into Devon think. This allows me to help anyone in our products team determine if we might be stepping on someone else's intellectual property or if we have something new. And it can help us learn from what is already invented. Sure, you can keep doing this through all the Google patent search sites, but Devon Thinks allows me to be focused on the patents that I know are in our domain space. A simple uh, query such as filed in 1994 or filed near 1994 would give me all of the patents in my database that were filed around 1994 and thus are expiring in 2014. Obviously, David, this was an email we sent 
before when we said we were going to do the show a while ago. But (laughs) (laughs) handy. Still relevant. (laughs) Yeah, still relevant. Um, So that's a great example. And I don't know if he's pulling those patents in um, from some kind of search or if he's doing manual searches and then pulling them in. But that's a that's another great use case. Yeah, totally. That's um, I've I've tried to sell my wife on this. She she does similar work and I'm always like, you could use this. It would totally answer a lot of your problems. But, you know, it's one of those things where the firm already has things set up to manage their data and that's where you put it and that's how they keep it. It's you got to be careful selling your wife on technology. I gotta, know. I don't want to support it either. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, a great moment in the Sparks house where my my wife is doing a bunch of stuff for a charity group. And she's, she's just got a lot of oars in the water all of a sudden. She says, I really need to learn OmniFocus. Oh. And, so and, and did you say, oh. I have some videos on that? Here you yeah, go. Exactly. I said, well, you know, you could watch that video I made. Uh, it would actually, I think, be easier for her to learn watching the video than having me try and tell her personally, you know. I think it's a it's a husband and wife thing, but yeah, she would rather watch the video than have me give her a personal lesson. But and and I, I think down, you would prefer that as well. I went downstairs the other night. And she was watching the video, and I it kind of felt pretty good saying, "Oh, that's cool." My wife is getting into this now. That's awesome. Um, uh, Paul wrote in, and we talked about the law office example because I do think that's a, a natural fit for for Devin. Think, and he says all the facts and voicemail come in via email, so he uses a voicemail transcription service so they can be indexed by Devin Think Pro. And uses mail rules to forward e- emails into DevonThink Pro inbox, mark as read, archive the email, and it applies to both sending and receiving. So he's got one database for his whole office, which is, um, yeah. I guess that makes sense depending on the size of the database. In fact, that's a, I want to ask you in a minute, how big can these databases get? Mm-hmm. And, and then he has client files, and they're organized into groups. So DevonThink Pro calls folders or groups. So he's got the inbox, he's got the active files with the client name and matter, closed files with client name and matter, admin and leads. And he says, everything goes in. And then he wrote in all caps, everything. So I guess that means everything. Email, voicemail, (laughs) faxes, scan documents, notes, everything. And at least once per day, he walks through the inbox and organizes. um, uh, Like, see, also in classify features of DevonThink Pro allows him to auto-classify about 75% of his inbox material straight into the right client groups. And as he's doing this, he's reminded to build time, reply quickly to emails and create tasks and follow up. So when you think about the ability to auto classify and to have a real you know, powerful search, um, obviously, uh, it sounds like Paul is like a sole practitioner or a small firm guy. And uh, boy, what a great solution. Hey, David, we know a solo practitioner, a small yeah, firm I know. guy. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I kind of worry that I gave their sync a bad rap. I think um, it does. I mean, it, it, it would allow you to work in a relatively large group, you know, maybe a dozen people syncing files between each other. Uh, the only thing that I wouldn't like about it is the data would be duplicated everywhere or they have the, the concept of like one person is the master owner of it and you connect to their Devon think um, instance and use their you know, you you point your your DevonThink says, oh, there's a DevonThink database provider over here. I want to connect to that and use that data. Uh, so I think that would work. I, I hate to give give it a bad rap just because I, I haven't used it in that environment. I think it does does work in a in a smallish way. All right. Well, okay. 
I want to I want to wrap up with some some final questions and then also some sure. best practices for for people in getting started with this. But before we do, I want to take a quick break and talk about our last sponsor, and that is our friends over at Lynda.com. And Lynda.com, as you've heard us talk about in the past, is the online learning platform. They have over three thousand on demand video courses that are going to help you strengthen your business, your technology, and your creative skills. And so for a limited time, you can start a ten day free trial by visiting lynda.com that's l-y-n-d-a.com slash mac power users now lynda is for problem solvers and if you've gotten this far into the show you are definitely a problem solver you are curious you are someone who wants to make things better Uh, maybe it's you want to master a new program maybe it's you want to learn negotiation skills maybe you want to build a website Uh, anything you want to do you can learn by going over to lynda.com search their database see what types of courses they have and feed your curious mind. Um, There are a couple of uh, uh, courses that you may want to look at. You know, for example, if you want to learn more about going paperless, uh, they've got courses on that. If you want to learn more about the iPhone and the iPad security, they've got courses on that. If you've heard us talking about Evernote and you think that might be something interesting for you, you can go learn more about Evernote on Linda. Uh, You know, it is tax season. Uh, If you want to learn more about doing your taxes yourself, you can learn more about that on Linda. You know, they've got a whole course on getting things done on Linda. Guess who teaches it? David Allen. So go check those out on Linda. So I've I've been uh, looking at Linda.com courses, uh, particularly the David Allen courses, um, and they're just, they're great. They are high quality. You know, you're watching these. They're taught by top experts, people who are passionate about teaching. They're not just, you know, YouTube video courses where it's unknown quality. You have no idea what you're going to get. These are high class, high quality courses. You can learn at your own pace. They're structured so that you can watch them for start to finish or just hop in and get little bite-sized bits whenever you're ready. Um, each course also has a transcript that you can browse or follow along. Um, or if you're looking for just a specific thing, you can search the transcript to find an answer uh, and jump right in there. Uh, you can download the tutorials and watch them on the go, including accessing them on your iOS or Android account with your lynda.com account. Uh, and you can create playlists of all the courses that you want to watch to customize your learning experience. So if you haven't tried them out yet, you definitely want to take a look at your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all at one flat rate. So go check them out today and, and go visit lynda.com slash Mac power users. That's L Y N D a.com slash Mac power users to sign up for your free 10 day trial. And thanks to Linda for their continued support of the show. Hey, Gabe, uh, how big yeah. can you get before you break it? How big can the database get? Ooh, uh, how, how big can a file be on your Mac? I guess that's, that's what it comes down to. I've he hasn't indexed, broken it yet. I've indexed tens of thousands of files easily, uh, or I've, I've had a, a database with tens of thousands of files. That was my original like research database. Um, indexing. I just indexed like six terabytes of files on my NAS using Devon think I just pointed it to my NAS and said like index all these and it did, did take a while and it takes a, a while to refresh that index but like the search works no problem like I, I type in a search and it's almost instant it shows me results so it, it's I don't know what the upper limit could be I haven't reached it well so someone who signed up for the forums in 2004 doesn't know what the upper limit is um <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take I, that as a good sign. Let me know sign. if you do break it. I, I would say probably multiple gigabytes 
easily uh, of data. Uh, again, it's one of those things, though. It's how much data can you put into Evernote? I'm sure there's there is eventually a limit where you have sync issues. You have you start seeing the edges more, and I I don't yeah. I don't think I've found that, but I purposely try to keep separate databases, anyways. Um, so I, I doubt I'll find it anytime soon. What you mentioned keeping separate databases. Any tips or or best practices that you know maybe things you wish you had known when you started that you you do now or you know someone getting into this how would you suggest they set things up or anything in particular you would suggest that they do Yeah, just think about just think about the hierarchy. Uh, I really underutilized replicants uh, initially of like saying this thing has relevance in a couple different places, so put it here because it's you know it's relevant for this tumor cell line, but it's also relevant for, because it, it's from this comp, it was done by this company. You know, those are two different pieces of data and a replicant will allow you to associate it or, or you could look at it like tagging almost, but you can say it's relevant because it was a study done on this cell line by Novartis, right? So now it has those two, two pieces of information um, where you're bucketing this thing. And that, that helps for the finding what you need, um, auto categorizing, like see also all that stuff plays in, plays into it. Um, tagging surprisingly, I don't tag in the finder, but I tag in Devon think, I don't know why, why I think this way, but, um, I care probably much more about the tags on things that I put into Devon think because I know I'm going to be using them for something. You know, it, I, I, I never got into tagging in the finder because, I spent so much time tagging and never using those tags and having tons of different tags that I couldn't keep straight. And in Devon think I think because it's project specific and the tags are only in that database file, I don't have to worry about this like bleed over into everything of like, well, was it, was this tagged for tax or taxes? You know, I don't have to worry about that so much because there's, I see what the tags are. They're all in one database file for finances and there's only one tag called tax. So uh, that's probably my two things that have to do with organization. Um, the, the other things I use tags for are um, I like this concept in another one of my kind of well-used finder-like apps, Pathfinder. I don't know if you're, you've ever heard of that. It's another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did so, a show on it. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I don't remember that. Right. It must been a, a while, long time though. ago. So. Yeah, we probably should go back. It's I'm, a, a, I'm a proud listener to every episode you've ever recorded. So I, it's, it's not because I, I, I didn't listen. It's because I don't remember you've done too much. Um, so, you know, the idea of the shelf in Pathfinder where you can like yeah. dump things temporarily. Yeah. I really liked that. And I kind of wanted that in Devon Think. So I was doing things like, so a, the shelf is like a temporary holding place. You put stuff there while you're browsing and looking for stuff and you kind of hold it in that spot and then you can pull it out and do stuff with it. Tags are a great way to do that in Devon Think. Like you just, as you're browsing, you find a file, just quickly add a tag, even just a temporary tag, like call it shelf, whatever. And now Devon Think has like a special view just for tags. It's more or less looks like a folder. You click on it. And it has your whole tag hierarchy right there. You click on the tag and then you have all those files tagged. So it, it, it was a really 
I don't know, kind of a revelation to me. Like, oh yeah, tags have all kinds of uses other than searching. They can be just temporary, just for like a few minutes. They only have to live for till I'm done with those files. So if somebody's listening and they say, okay, I want to give this a shot. How do they get started? What do you recommend? Uh, it, it really helps if you have a project that you're thinking about doing, like working on, because it gives you a reason to pay attention to what you're doing with your data. If you just wanted to dump your whole... So here's another one that I've used is I have a bunch of backup drives and external drives where I put stuff and I move them off. I don't do it as often anymore now because I have this giant NAS with like 10 terabytes of data. But I used to keep, you know, those little little hard drives sitting around everywhere. You can use DevonThink and say, like, just index these all. And, and you know, this, this drive is indexed here. I can go find files even when the drive's not online because it's an index. And... You know, it's a nice way to like use the get used to the search, especially the power searches uh, where you do the near or exclusions and things like that. Um, but if you have a small like writing project or you know you're thinking about putting together a tutorial or something like that, put like lay out the documents in Devon Think and organize them the way you want to think about the content. Yeah, I think it. You know, the thing is, it's just not that hard to get started. You drag the stuff in. Yeah, and, and you're not committed to it either, right? You can drag it back out and move it around, put it somewhere else. Katie, they have uh, an, an automatic feature to import Ever, or, um, yeah, Evernote. <laughs> so you can just tell it, like, import my Evernote data, and it'll just suck it all in. Yeah. Are there any uh, particular resources that you would recommend? It it sounds like Devin Think, you know, we've been talking about it for almost an hour and a half now. It sounds like it, it can be a bit of an intimidating program or at least one that's a little difficult to, to get into. I know Joe Kissel did a, a take control book on it. Uh, a while back and we should probably That's what I was gonna say. a yeah. link to that in the in the show notes but if 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 someone's just getting into it and is maybe a little bit overwhelmed any anywhere you can think of obviously you've mentioned the forums the the devontech site does a great job uh, there's a whole section on just here are certain aspects of the application they have videos and walkthroughs that are have a really nice like voiceover on them to explain what it's doing and why it's doing this thing and how you take advantage of different features it, it and they have a lot of them, so all the different aspects of the 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 tool are are laid out in individual little tiny walkthroughs. You know, you mentioned Linda, which is great. It's it's kind of like that where it's it's very focused, and you can just jump between the different topics that you care about. You don't have to sit and listen to an hour and a half. Like I only care about how I'm going to pull in my mail, <laughs> right? So just go just go look at that one. Yeah, and you know what, David, I just realized um, we got an email from our friend Todd Oltoff, who's been on the show a couple of times, mentioned that he has done uh, tutorials for Don McAllister's screencast online on Devon Thing. Oh, yeah. No no surprise there. I'm sure, <laughs> sure Don has really, really laid this application bare the way he does. Yeah, yeah so there's another there's another good location. Well, listen, I am. Um... I've been fiddling with it for a year or so. I haven't, um, but this has opened my eyes to a couple new things. And I definitely think one of the problems was I wasn't, I didn't go the full hog here. I didn't buy the the big version because like the OCR and management of those folders to me is, is one big advantage of this for me. And, and frankly, my life has changed where I'm looking for a solution like this more than I was before. Um, Anyway, well, thanks so much, Gabe, for sure. coming in and helping us out yeah. with this. And, I, uh, we I were... hope, again, it feels awkward, like, when somebody asks you this, like, question, please explain 
the web. Yeah, I know. I hope I did it justice. Well, and that's why it's so difficult because it's, it, it does so much. It's, it's hard to put it into a box of what this application yeah. does. So you almost have to just go and fiddle with it. And, I told somebody and they do have the a free... other. I, I told somebody the other day it's it's my favorite application that I can't explain. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, and, it's and really so you came on here to explain for an hour. Yeah, and a half. yeah. There you so go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but they do have a free trial, so you can go online if you're yeah. if you're interested and just download the trial and see what you think. And their support is awesome. Not just the forum. I know I keep gushing about the forum, but like their individual support. Like if you email them and ask questions some of the best support I've ever had on an application. Like they really care about the people that use it because it it's a, just like the Scrivener folks, right? They, they know the people that use their application totally love their application and are huge yeah. fans. So they yeah. treat them that way. Awesome. Well, we'll have links to everything that we talked about uh, in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at uh, MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, Gabe, where can people find you? What are you up to these days? Oh, let's see. I'm on Mac Drifter occasionally writing things on stuff. Uh, that's probably the best place to go. Just go there. It'll it'll link out to other stuff. You know, do you wanna... I'm, I'm saying stupid things on Twitter and I do a podcast, yeah. uh, Nerds on Draft, where we talk about tech and usually uh, beer. And and you've got an app out now, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we launched Tap Seller uh, last September. It's uh, it's for people who like craft beer and you want to keep track of it, but you're not, you know, all about social networks. I, I'm I'm kind of a private guy and I like to keep my stuff my stuff to myself. And uh, I don't know. I think it ha- has unique enough features that I'm I'm pretty proud of it. Turned so, out it, it's 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 my favorite app. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so this well, is an app be. <laughs> that allows you to to keep track of your your favorite beers and to comment on them or tell tell us yeah, a little bit about it. Yeah, comment on it. You you can you can grade it. We use like a letter grading system, so it kind of makes more sense to me. Um, you can share it with your friends if you want, but it's all totally private on your own device, and it's all works offline too. So that's always been a thing for me. Is like I want to use it when I go to a beer festival, and you typically have terrible service at a beer festival because it's inside a giant metal building and uh and there's a lot of beer yeah and there's a lot of beer so for me it's you know i keep i keep a little journal of what i have and what i don't like what i do like and keep my shopping list in there we have a way to like uh, you know, I'm I'm all about searching, right? Gabe so has a whole the, beer the, shopping list. I see yeah, how that the, works. The, the, big, the big thing about it is like we handle search kind of differently than than a lot of apps. We we give you more power search features, so breaking down and you can save those as, as views because you know big big fan of the way OmniFocus works, and we love the idea of like a saved view. Like you create this whole search, this whole combination of search terms and sort features. And then you can save that and give it a name so that you can quickly jump to it and find stuff again later. Awesome. So basically you're talking about beer perspectives. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. The show is Mac, at Mac Power Users. I'm at Katie Floyd. David is at Mac Sparky. And Gabe, you are at Mac Drifter. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next time. Next time.